Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, who've just been exercising some Aberdeenshire demons at the weekend with a monumental, a momentous 2-0 victory over Peterhead Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire and I think for the first time in more than 140 or so episodes, I am not joined by Mark Donaldson, who is at the baseball, apparently. I wouldn't even pretend to understand what the all-star game in Denver is, but it's a big baseball event. He's there, which means I am joined by someone else. It's the um, last-minute substitute change to the starting 11. I'm joined by starting 11, starting two. I'm joined by Bruce. How are you doing, Bruce Strachan? Oh, I'm really good, Laurie. Thanks very much for joining me. I mean, I've got a slight uh, link to Mark in that I went to school in Pennycook, so, you know, there is a, there is a slight link there. Ah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So apparently, yeah, we've, we've got strong Pennycook links because we've had Tony Brown on before, and he's from that neck of the woods as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm Roslyn, just down the road, but uh, yeah, I went to school in uh, the, the, the other Pennycook High School. He's like, ah, okay. You must be younger than Mark? I, I I reckon roughly about the same age. Okay. I reckon, okay. yeah, early forties. So. Okay. Okay. And um, uh, I've I've not just um dragged you off the street, uh, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, Bruce, you are a Hearts fan, of course, and um, you have been in touch with the the show previously because you are a listener. I I I think, and yes, um, as well as being a Hearts fan, you are a director, and you actually directed um a play which a lot of Hearts fans will be very familiar with, A War of Two Halves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, might, I get to uh, the great joy of combining my two passions <laughs> in one <laughs> and in the in the best place of all, the best theatre of all at, uh, at Tynecastle, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to ha- talk a little bit about that side of things you're, um, you're directing because we'll, we'll touch on A War of Two Halves, which was really successful at the, at the Edinburgh Fringe. It was two years it ran, wasn't it? Yeah, three, so three runs we did. Uh, twenty eighteen August was was the debut, and then we did it in the November of of twenty eighteen as well, which was colder for those that, that, that were there. Um, and then we did Fringe uh, twenty nineteen as well. Yeah, so three runs. And there's a new play coming out, which we are going to focus on quite a bit. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Hearts in general as well, but it'll be interesting to to get your take on not just the new play that you're doing, but um, the the, t- the topic in general and how that's uh, affecting, I guess, football and hearts in particular. And I guess whatever comes up, because uh, although Mark's not here, uh, we're still as unscripted and um, and unplanned as normal. Brilliant. I'm sure I'll find a tangent to, to take us down uh, <laughs> just to keep things a, you know as normal as possible. It's a Penny Cook thing. Yeah, sure. <sighs> okay, first up, before we get into your... Um, the directing side of things and the plays that you've been involved in. Uh, hearts in general, uh, how have you found things, Bruce? Because I guess like most Hearts fans, it will, will have been a very odd season last time out, I imagine, um, supporting them from a distance. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been well, obviously the strangest kind of period, hasn't it, in terms of, uh, for, for lots of reasons, you know, the, the sort of terrible uh, season <laughs> previously, Combined with suddenly not being able to go to the games, you know, it's been it's been really kind of bizarre. And 
I'm sure like pretty much every Hearts fan, it's been deeply frustrating at times. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, you know, start of a new season, I think everyone suddenly starts to get wildly optimistic, don't they? That this, this, this might be a much better year. So um, I'm, uh, I'm doing that great football thing of almost forgetting that the past has happened and just starting to think, oh, well, you know, we might give Celtic a wee game at the end of the month, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, up and running with a victory at a place where we had never won before. A 0% record at Balmer Stadium. Yep. But finally, as I mentioned at the start, exercise those demons. Um, I know the only option for Hearts fans to see it was through the Peterhead pay-per-view and we did audio coverage on Hearts TV. So I think um, you mentioned you maybe just caught the highlights. Yeah, I watched the little, the great little was it Jay Allen films thing that Hearts played. Yeah, I love yeah, those. He, I think they're great. He does some terrific stuff, yeah. And um, yeah, I just saw those, and obviously the Hearts highlight followed it on on Twitter on on Saturday because I wasn't able to to tune in. But I mean, it's it sounded pretty good, I think, and you know some clear indications perhaps of where we're heading in terms of formation and key players. I think you know based on some of the sound bites afterwards, and you know as you say, you know it wasn't that long ago that uh, a trip to Peterhead was giving us much more <laughs> grief than uh, than Saturday. Did. Yeah, it's obviously always good to get up and running. And I, I don't know how you feel about these, Betfred. Um, oh, doing it again. Premier Sports. <laughs> Gold did Cup, that, yeah. Did that, did that on Twitter last week as well. Premier Sports Cup. Honestly, it's just called the League Cup. Someone yeah. said, just call it the League Cup. It's easier. Um, I, I quite like them. I, I don't like the whole bonus point penalty kick thing. I think that makes it seem a bit trivial. But I, I quite like this, the group setup. And I know... <laughs> It's funny, my other half is an Aberdeen fan. She, she's not a regular Aberdeen fan, but she almost every season, I think she does it deliberately now, she gets so confused. She's like, wait, so you were playing a friendly, were you? No, no, it's a cup game. It's like, what cup? Like The League Cup. It's like, I don't understand, but you said you got three points. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a group stage. I'm like, when, when was this? I was like, yes, you've never had to see your team playing it because you're always in Europe, okay? Don't have to rub it in. <laughs> oh, no. But aside from that, I think I think it's quite, I think I mentioned it last time, I think it works quite well from my point of view in terms of all being well. It's it's a gradual progression to your, the start of the league season because it's competitive games, but it is competitive games against you know, Peterhead and Cove Rangers with all due respect to them. They're not Celtic. Um, so I, I think it works quite well in some ways for us. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it works well if it works well. If that makes yes. sense, I'm sure you guys. If it doesn't, if it doesn't go tits up, yeah. Yeah, if it, if it goes like it did a couple of years ago, then 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 not so much. And I, I don't know. I mean, it gives us a chance to watch the game. I suppose you're missing out on. You know, it wasn't that long ago we were doing sort of away friendlies to you know places like Hull and 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 mm-hmm. Preston, and I suppose that we kind of away days maybe now a thing of the past because we're. Um, Certainly this preseason, yeah. Yeah, we've got a Sunderland, I think, haven't we, next Saturday? Yes, um, nice. Sunderland, I think. Um, so. But I, I think it's quite, I think it's quite good. It's competitive. Maybe you know, um, it's quite a good way of kind of making the the League Cup have that little bit of difference, certainly to start with, before you know, before the main season gets going. Do you think we'll have a decent season then? I know you're saying you're already feeling wildly optimistic, <laughs> yeah. without maybe justification, but. You, you think yeah. we're gearing up to? I know there'll be a bit of pressure from a few angles at the manager, but do you, you think we, we might do something? Well, I mean, I was thinking earlier today that you know you, you start to go through the team and you go, well, who would I who would I swap? You know, from someone else maybe out with the old firm, 
And there's not many on their day that you think, well, actually, they're, you know, every player that you can think of when they're playing well, you think, well, actually, they're, they're a decent player. You know, Gordon's mm-hmm. not going to be swapped for anyone and we'll go through the whole team. But, but you, you know, bar one or two positions, maybe, um, you, you're, you're up, up there with as good, as I think, as anyone else in the league. It's, it's whether we can actually do it on a consistent basis, you know, and I suppose get that wee bit of rub and a wee bit of, uh, of momentum at the start of the season to actually, you know, start to go forward as opposed to what happened two years ago. Are you looking forward to getting back into Tyne Castle? Well, I got a, a kind of sneak preview because we were in talking about the show a couple of a couple of weeks ago, and just okay. coming up the steps and out into the into the uh, into the arena, as it were, was just great to just you know do that again, even though there's nobody there apart from the grass getting cut. Um, so that was great, but you know, I'm 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 dead jealous of those that are getting to go to Cove tomorrow. You know, I never thought I'd be you know gutted to be missing. Cove, <laughs> it'll be brilliant for those that are that are back to be in there, and I just yeah, hearing the singing and and just the buzz of it, and I think that sarcastic boo when someone blows it over the bar, you know, that's they're those <laughs> kind of things that you just don't get uh, replicated when you're uh, sitting at home. No, but I guess at least even from a perspective of being at home, it'll be good to see. I know it's only going to be two thousand, but I think we've seen in some of the the games of the Euros, even Hamden when it was. What quarter full? Not even that. There was still quite a decent atmosphere created. So I think even just even if the fans who didn't weren't fortunate enough to get tickets for the Cove game, it'll be good to see. I think and hear fans that aren't coming coming through the tannoy, courtesy of Scott Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think if if you're there, I'm sure you'll be desperate to be making making some noise and. Uh, and as I say, getting getting stuck into the referee, or uh, hopefully get behind the team a little bit as well, and, and hopefully Hearts, you know, not been the best starters really in the last couple of years. So hopefully, you know, an early goal or two just to get the hands kind of on side would be would be uh, would be brilliant. Definitely. So you mentioned you've been at Tynecastle recently. Um, in relation to the show so it'd be good to move on to that side of things um so for those that maybe aren't aware we'll we'll take it back to a war of two halves firstly which you directed and um this was the story of the hearts team of 1914 the team that you know looked to be on course to have a fantastic title winning season and unfortunately things were interrupted by the outbreak of the first world war and as we all know, that team, or at least a large part of that team, ended up going to going to war, and very sadly, not all of them came back. Um, I went to see this at Tyne Castle. It was a fantastic production, I have to say, and we've not we've not actually spoken about this beforehand. But you know, really credit to you, everyone who was involved, the cast. I thought it was really well done in the, in the way that it was kind of immersive around the stadium. For those that don't know, you you kind of got taken to Tyne Castle and then led around the stadium so there was parts of the production where you were standing next to the pitch, some of it was in the dressing room, so it took you all around Tyne Castle with different sets um, it was you know, funny at times, it was very moving at times as well and I just thought it was brilliantly done so you know, full credit to you and the guys that put that together and I thought it was you know, deservedly very well received as well yeah, I mean it was a, it was a real labour of love, and and obviously you're you're 
you're standing on the shoulders of giants. You know that old phrase of you know you really want to make sure that you're you're doing a service to to that story. You know, and and the and the you know just the the, the power of that story and obviously what it means to the means to the club. You know, you you yeah, it was just it, yeah, it was just important to just try and you know really make sure that we were we were reflecting it. You know, kind of properly and. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was moving for us. I'll never forget doing the for those that have seen it the the last scenes in the memorial garden, and you know when some of those lines were getting read out for the first time. You know, I can remember it just vividly. It was really moving for me, and I knew the story, and I knew what was going on, and just just the impact of it was was, was really powerful. The response was was just incredible. We had people coming up to us, you know, showing us medals from their grandfather who died in the war, and um, the relatives of some of the some of the you know, the guys that we sort of feature in the show and stuff. And, and actually, you know, Hearts, Hearts fans, you know, proper grown men with, you know, wiping the tears away from their eyes at the end, you, you, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's been successful and, and yeah, you know, love it. And for me, just personally, the chance to do, do some theatre combined, it's the closest I'll ever get to perform it at Tygastle Park. So, uh, so yeah, it was a, it was a kind of bit of a dream come true for that side of it for me. How did that, I mean, we'll, we'll get on to the new production shortly, but in terms of you and your background, um, how is this, because I've not actually asked you this before, is this something you do on the side? Is this your, your is this your main career, This the, 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 being involved in these types of plays, this type of directing, um, or was this very much focused on the hearts thing? Is that why you were so heavily involved? Um, well, I've, I mean, I've, since since school really been involved in in kind of theater and and went to drama school and and I've been kind of working as a director and um teacher actually I'm currently a lecturer at Queen Margaret um okay. uni here Musselburgh so I so I teach acting and screen acting there as my kind of as the day job um and then you know, try to do these other projects you know in the summer when the when the students aren't in for example and 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 um uh, I work with another company as well, and we produce kind of touring shows that that tour around the UK. So, so yeah, it's you know theatre has been a huge part of of, of my life, um, and this story was one that just I don't know. I always wanted to do something to do with hearts and, mm-hmm. and try how to try to tie it in. And um, I was given the book by um, Tim Barrow, who's one of the the writers, the McRae's Battalion book, Jack Alexander's book, which is key text in terms of w- what happened. Um, and when I read that, I just started to form an idea, and that was back in two thousand four, two thousand five, when it came out. That, okay. Um, we wanted to produce something, you know, and how it might come about. I didn't know. It was clear that it was going to be at Tyne Castle, but obviously the uh, Romanov years happened, and it was never really it seemed quite like the right time. And then, obviously, the sort of um, armistice you know, 100 years started to come around and we felt obviously with the change of ownership at the club and stuff, they would be approachable. Um, and then um, working with another big jambo friend of mine who I used to have a season ticket with in, in Section G back in the day, um, Paul Beeson, who who, who co-wrote it uh, with Tim. Uh, he and I got together over a pint and it turned out he'd had a sort of similar idea. So um, sort of between the three of us, we, we, we started to pursue it. Wrote to Anne Budge and she wrote me a lovely email back to say it was a good idea and kind of the rest is history, isn't it? It's a nice bit of kind of serendipity there, isn't it, with the with how it comes together then if you know it's people having the same idea and being, I guess, you know, in the same place at the same time sort of thing. So it's that's quite nice to hear that. But it does sound like obviously theatre's 
a huge part of obviously your life then and what you do. Um, I, I wouldn't lie. I, I'm not the type of person who would tend to go to theatre, but I think with these productions, if you are a fan of football and of hearts, I don't think that really matters so much. You know, I, I, I wouldn't tend to go and see a play very often, but I think this one really um, spoke to, to football fans and hearts fans, especially. Yeah. And, and it, it's sort of a passion of mine. Cause I've always been, I've, you know, I've loved my football for, you know, um, most of my life. And in the theater world, that's not really, you know, being a sort of football fan isn't, you know, necessarily cool in that world. <laughs> um, and so for me to sort of try and combine the two things and, and appeal, I guess, to, to someone who maybe doesn't think theatres for them or whatever, that that's my big kind of passion, I think, is to try and get people to come and see stuff and make stuff which does bridge the divide a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. So, so you know, it's not something that's completely alien to someone. And I think all good theatre is based in a, in a community and... Um, is relevant to people's lives in some way. And that's the joy of obviously War of Two Halves as a story. And the, the new show is that I think there are things that people can can relate to and hopefully can, can come and enjoy uh, an experience, which is, yeah, it's a play, but, but there's lots of elements that you might recognise if even if you're not a, a, a traditional theatre goer. We're looking at the new production. So obviously following the success of a war of two halves um there's another show which has just been announced in the last week or two um so this is all about the rise of women's football um and the subsequent ban in the early 20s um fictional but um the team does play in maroon i understand and yeah. it includes an edinburgh derby so uh again lots of relevance and hopefully um, something that a lot of Hearts fans will will be very interested in and enjoy. So it's Sweet FA as the title. So do you want to tell us a bit about, first of all, how this all came about originally, this idea? Yeah, so, so when we were doing uh, War of Two Halves a couple of years ago, um, one of the directors at the, at, at the club, who we worked quite closely with in terms of putting the, the show on, um, you know, sort of suggested it almost as a sort of throwaway comment about about some, you know, an idea for a show, and it and it stuck with me, you know, and and the sort of comment was around, well, did you know that in 1921 there was a a, a game at Tynecastle Park, a women's game at Tynecastle Park, um, just before the the spoiler alert for the show, but um, <laughs> it's not a huge spoiler um, that the the FA banned women's banned women's football in in 1921 and. And there was a game like, in the March of that year which had 15,000 fans at it, um, which, you know, would be credible today, <laughs> let alone, you know, 100 years ago. Um, and it was refereed by Bobby Walker, you know, the legendary Bobby Walker, um, yeah. between uh, Dick Kerr's ladies, who are one of the most sort of famous kind of UK teams, and an Edinburgh ladies select, basically. Um and that was 2019, must have been, because obviously we were approaching 2021. And, and yeah, we just started to kind of research into the story. And I was kind of shocked to hear that that size of crowd, because, you know, that, that seemed quite a big number. Um, and then we started to, to kind of read and sort of delve into kind of what happened to women's football. And, and you start to find out some quite amazing statistics about how popular it was. And, and certainly probably in, kind of 1920, arguably bigger than the men's game. Um, 
around about the time of the fifteen thousand at, at Tynecastle. Yeah, it's mad. Just, it was yeah. like I was I was just looking up some of the backstory with the ban, and I read that in the early twenties there was apparently a match that attracted fifty thousand. I think in England, I it, it didn't actually. I didn't look into to see which game that was, but yeah, it was like hugely popular. And I think if if someone had asked me before I'd read into it, you know how you know how popular do you think women's football was a hundred years ago? I, I I probably would have told you. Was it even a thing? Did they even play it? <laughs> yeah. I yeah, guess yeah. it's not something you hear about very often, is it? Yeah, I think and I think that's the, the the perception. I mean, there's a again, it's not a real spoiler, but we mentioned it in the show that um, that game you're talking about was fifty fifty three thousand at Goodison Park in 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 Liverpool to to see a Dick Cares game um, in the December, and then in the May of must have been twenty one, um, the FA Cup final only had fifty one thousand at it, so. You know, it gives you a, you know, a sense of the, a sense of the sort of size of the of, of the sport at that time, and yeah, I, just, I I hadn't kind of really got any idea about it at all, and and then su- subsequently, you know, the ban was in place for fifty years, yeah. So, uh, so there was basically no women's football for fifty years, you know, <laughs> which it sounds very nineteen um, twenties. I think when I looked for something, it said what the, the ban was for, and apparently it was declared that the sport was quite unsuitable for females, yes. was what I read. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, as it's happened sort of serendipitously, um, you know, given given the last kind of uh, two years for hearts, um, you know, the, the, the football authorities come in for a fair bit of stick in the... Uh, in the in the show uh, for that, and, and obviously we've managed to tie tie that in to some of the uh, um, some of the more topical references, shall we say, in terms of um, uh, not being scared to have a laugh at the football authorities' expense. <laughs> There's a Lord Dundee, for example. You know, just just to <laughs> give you an idea of where we've gone with some of that. So let's delve into, I guess, so we so we we know where the the kind of idea stemmed from, but the specific story then so where did it all kind of develop from from the initial idea and obviously finding out about what happened with women's football back in the 20s to to the story that's going to unfold as part of of this production well i mean originally we were supposed to 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 be performing last fringe actually we wanted to we wanted to do it last year but obviously things things um, took a turn um Mm -hmm. i when we started to research, we actually just found there was so much. And and originally, I think we wanted to do a, some something similar to War Two Halves, which was based on a based on a kind of true story. Because um, you know, there's there's something hugely powerful about that echo of the past. You know, um, but it, it became quite clear that there's so much information. I mean, actually, women's football was really popular at the end of the 19th century as well, and it was kind of sort of banned then. And there was um, uh, a team called Mrs. Graham's Eleven. A lot of these things started in Scotland as well okay. um, and uh, a, a brilliant uh, name of a, a, a lady called Nettie Honeyball and uh, <laughs> these teams were a bit like sort of Harlem Globetrotters they would they would go around <laughs> go around the country playing playing other sort of local teams and stuff and again it was it was hugely popular before it was kind of banned then and then there was the resurgence based out of the out of the factories in the in the first world war and so we just started to craft a story and we tried to cover it all and realized quite quickly that you know there was just too much to, too much to cover so we we focused in on the on the same sort of period as a war of two halves to create a kind of sister piece if you like 
Okay. Um, even though it's, they're not really related, and we do mention some of the similar, you know, events, but they're not they're not directly related. And just started to try and craft a story, and and some of the things that you mentioned, you know, kindly about four of two halves about just the camaraderie and the team spirit and all that. So we, we've essentially invented a, a Gorgie team <laughs> uh, who, who, who are formed out of the real life factory, which is the North British uh, rubber factory, which used to be in Fountain Bridge. So we've sort of fictionalised the team that, that play in there and they, they go on to play various teams, including Ramage and Ferguson's from Leith. Uh, and uh, we just follow their story, which then mirrors the, the story of what happened. So the, sort of it started with them basically having a kick around at, at the break you know um, and then slowly started to form into more um, sort of coherent teams and obviously then would play another factory and, and it just kind of the growth was was very fast and and obviously by 1920 there was 15,000 at Tynecastle to see to see the select play that cares so so the stories are kind of you know a weaving together of the various kind of truths um, and trying to put in as many of the facts as we as we could, you know. So it's it starts around the time when the men were basically fighting on the Western Front, does it? Is that, and and I guess the the women are the ones who end up, I suppose, playing football while they're away. Is that roughly where the the kind of the the story begins then? Yes, essentially. So, so obviously there was a huge surge in, in, in the, the need for um, the factory jobs to be kind of backfilled because yeah. so many men signed up and, and, and went away. So, you know, there's famously the munitionettes um, and, and the, the football just started with them essentially in various factories having a ball and, and having a kick around in, the, in, the, in their breaks. And that was, that was the, the start of, 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 of the kind of... Um, of the journey, if you like, and it just very quickly, I think, because the men's game wasn't happening so so much, um, uh, the and the women were doing, you know, so much of that kind of, you know, a backfilling of the of the of the jobs, it it, it just grew hugely in popularity, and then of course, you know, again without giving too much away, but I'm sure you can work it out. Then after the war finished, then there was the sort of reverse effect when when the the men came back and the jobs were taken taken back and. And and everything had to kind of be you know reversed. And was there an element in because I think there's an element again we yeah, we don't want to get too involved in the story and you give big chunks away but was there an element of this being threatening to the 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 male driven football authorities you know that there would be a subsequent ban by 1921. Uh, I mean I think I think without doubt I mean you. You know, you've you quoted brilliantly there. The you know one of the lines from their from their kind of reasons for doing it, and I think you know again, it's not it's not really given huge amounts away in terms of the actual kind of story of the show because it's it's more about their the, the characters and their reaction to it and, sure. and, and the experience of it. But but yeah, it was it was a it was a almost a kind of you know full U turn because they they actually encouraged it uh, initially because productivity went up and and. Um, you know, it was seen as being good for morale and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And then, of course, they didn't quite realise that. Obviously, then you know these men would come back and they'd want their jobs back and 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 obviously their, there was their game crack. back. Yeah, <laughs> their essentially, yeah. <laughs> and and they were and it was you know the football authorities you know suddenly ran very scared and you know rather than being visionary and 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 thinking how could we 
how could we maybe do both of these things? They they just went, oh, we're just going to ban it, which is just, you know, mad to think that you can just ban half of the population from doing something. It's, that seems crazy to me. Do you think Do you think we'd be in a very different landscape of football if, if that hadn't happened? Because we're talking about, yeah, half century that because it was it was until it was it was almost exactly fifty years, wasn't it? It was until July seventy one that it was actually banned, which seems crazy. But do you think you know we talk we we'll, we look now and we will get on to maybe a bit of women's football generally. Obviously, it's still way way behind the men's game in terms of you know how popularity and when we talk globally, um, finance etc. Do you, do you think it would be a vastly different landscape if if the, this hadn't happened a hundred yeah. years ago? Oh, I think so. I mean, I suppose, um, I suppose one way to look at it would be how would how would the team from you know nineteen seventy one get on against the twenty twenty one Hearts team? <laughs> well, <laughs> remains to be seen, I guess, probably. But, um, you know, but in terms of you know technology, you know, the advances in fitness and coaching and all that kind of stuff you would yeah. you know um i'm sure there are uh maybe older hearts fans that would think that the 70s team would probably smash this lot but um, you uh, you know you would think that you know having 50 years off would have a you know would have a huge impact on on the game and um uh the SFA were were actually the last um association in Europe to really to, uh, repeal the ban as well you know okay. they were you know the last ones out the out the traps to, to to do it. So yeah, I think I think there's a there's an there's no doubt I think that women's football would be in a would be in a completely different place if if they they'd had more kind of you know foresight at the time, I think. In terms of the play, so one of the I thought the fantastic things about um a war of two halves was what I mentioned, the way that it, it was immersive, the way it took you around Tynecastle was was fantastic. I thought it must have been really difficult to to sort of choreograph that as well, though, because you're not just in one set place. But or, I take it that this new production is going to have that similar type of setup to it. Well, it, well, it sort of can't, unfortunately, because of because of COVID. So we've we've had to try to be creative in a slightly different way. Okay. Um, this time, I mean, I should say just you know, whilst I'm here, that that, that interactivity and the being able to move around Tyne Castle was was only possible because Hearts were, were, were so brilliantly accommodating and, and, the, and the folk we work with at Hearts are brilliant at supporting the idea and, and, and understanding its, its value. So, you know, to, to hear one day, yeah, sure, you can, you can use the new home dressing room, you know, about three days after it opened. Um, you know, that, that, that takes a real kind of generosity of kind of spirit and a real, you know, support yeah. for, for what's going on. So, so that they were integral to, to allowing us to, to kind of do that and we would kind of go well could we could we do it here <laughs> yeah sure no no bother we never got the pitch we, we tried the pitch but we, we never got anything but well, i don't think the ground staff would have been keen on that no no but i mean even the ground staff you know bless them would would stop cutting the grass for an hour of you know in their afternoon whilst the show was actually in the main bits of the stadium to, to work around us so that i mean again just everyone at hearts was fantastic to, to kind of be supportive of that you know so um, so with the, with Sweet FA, I mean the original plan was to was to use a similar format and try okay. to, to kind of to, to to mimic it, but because of the uncertainty around what's going on with COVID, we've we've had to try to to sort of come up with a, a way of doing it differently. So we've been um, very very kindly um, uh, 
sponsored by ACS Scaffolding, who are a, who are a big sponsor of Hearts, um, and they're going to um, uh, very carefully and uh, and I've seen the designs; it's all very um, well thought through. Build a kind of um, scaffolding stage in the lower part of the stand, okay. uh, in the main stand, and the audience will be in the in the upper stand in the main stand. So. So you're kind of in the stadium, but you're outside. There's plenty of fresh air. You're undercover if you're far enough up the stand, as those that know the main stand will know. Um, it'll be the performers that probably will get wet. And <laughs> um, and the scaffolding stage will basically appear and disappear as um, as we do the show and in and around the in and around the matches. So um, so it will be a kind of uh, a different immersive experience this time. And and you know, obviously being outside and with the hopefully the shift in the um, restrictions happening, we could get something like a, a more normal theatre audience. Certainly after the, the the 9th of August, we'll start with a bit of distancing in the in the stand to begin with, and then and then we'll see how it how it goes and what's happening. But um, yeah, so it will be a, a play in the stand at Tynecastle, so a different experience, a chance to you know you can actually buy a ticket and definitely come and sit in uh, Tynecastle and watch some entertainment for 90 minutes without a ballot. <laughs> No, and the entertainment would be guaranteed, which I guess is not always the case when you go to Ten Castle. Yeah, I can I can exclusively reveal that, that the team in Maroon definitely win some games in the in the show. <laughs> so there you go. So, if you were selling the play to me or, or those who are listening, what what can they expect? We know what the we know what the backstory is. We know what the kind of setup is. What what can they expect from this experience? Well, I mean, I'm I'm hoping you know what 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 you said about war of two halves earlier is you know we're trying to we're trying to sort of recreate a similar kind of vibe it's you know it's, there's some interesting history in there for those that are interested in history it's it's amazing how much um link and uh, you know origin there is in terms of women's football in scotland and you know the biggest game was it was at Tynecastle. you know there's there's so you're getting that kind of you know it's a little bit of a history lesson i suppose and, and, mm-hmm. and learning about that the same kind of witty repartee and banter of the sort of dressing room stuff that we had in, in a war of two halves, that same sense of kind of camaraderie and team spirit, some, some drama, there's some pathos in there, some things that are, that are a bit more moving, I guess, some lovely singing. We've got some gorgeous singers. So the, there's some sort of brand new songs that we've written that, that I think will make quite a punch, which will make it a bit different from a war of two halves as well. And, you know, if nothing else, you just get to sit in Tynecastle and, and just soak up the atmosphere, knowing that hearts aren't going to get beat. Some people will be disappointed. They won't be able to boo. Yeah. Um, we I mean, there's, there's, and if you well, if you want to boo, there's the SFA. We 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 kind of do quite a vicious pastiche of of the SFA, and there's plenty of in jokes for Hearts fans around the uh, around some of the stuff over the last eighteen months. So you'll um, you'll definitely uh, enjoy some of that if you've uh, been paying attention. Always goes down well. So are you all set then? Because we're what when we're recording this what. 12th of July so did you say 9th of August was that the first date that you've got uh, well there's some previews on the 5th okay so that's we sort of open that weekend and then we've got a sort of, uh, sort of press night and so we're hoping to, to invite some of the, um, the Hearts women's team to the to the opening night on the 7th and then yeah then we run from the 8th through to the through to the 30th um yeah we're, we're getting there <laughs> um, obviously with with things being so last minute in terms of getting the kind of go ahead and confirming things like you know how we can do this scaffolding and around matches and and you know obviously the small matter of the 
Betfred Coca-Cola Premier Sports Cup. Um, there's a there's a fixture in the middle of the of the show run, which is unconfirmed. So, for the first time in my life, I'm absolutely desperate for Hearts to be drawn away in the next round of the, of the League if, Cup. If they get through, happen. we've not even, yeah, not, well, not even yeah. played Cove Rangers at the time of recording. Yeah, because <laughs> um, that will make um, the scheduling for that weekend much much clearer. Because if Hearts are at home, then we've got to you know. Um, Obviously, work around that. Um, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get there. We'll be we'll be fine. We're looking forward to starting rehearsals next week, and and um, uh, I think the script's in a good place. And yeah, getting some of the songs through today, and they're dead catchy. And and yeah, I'm I'm, I'm feeling quite optimistic today. That's good to hear. So can can you buy tickets to this right now? Or are they available to purchase? And not quite yet. Okay. Um, again, just due to the lateness of of everything, the fringe um tickets will be on sale i'm hoping on thursday um the 15th and, and hearts are in the process of putting um the tickets on their site on the universe event site that they have and there'll be a link put up to that and hearts are usually quite good at tweeting that out for us so um so there'll be an announcement once they're up and running hopefully um and season ticket holders get a discount as well so you get you get um you can buy the sort of concession price if you're a season ticket holder so Again, it's just a wee encouragement for, for the Hearts fans to, you know, come along or get involved. So uh, so will there be an announcement from, we should have a, an official announcement via the, the kind of Hearts social media and website when everything is available? I'm hoping so, yes. <laughs> and if people want to find out, is there, where would they find out? Is there a Twitter page for this production or? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can follow us at, at Sweet FA Show on, on Twitter. We've got a, our, our theatre company kind of website, which is this is my story productions, uh, not to be confused with the podcast. Um, <laughs> um, so there, there's some information just in the show. And we'll put everything up on on there as well. But we're on you know all the usual socials, and we'll you know once it's confirmed, as I say, the fringe say that it will be released within the next when they announce their next batch of shows, which which is this Thursday. So I'm hoping we'll be we'll be in for that. And there's some good kind of cheaper tickets over the over the first weekend for sort of the previews and there's a two for one on the first weekend. So for those on a budget, there's um, there's definitely options if you, if you move fast. So you can get to Tynecastle, you can enjoy a heart's win and hopefully some laughs and maybe some emotional moments as well, like a war of two halves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, clearly it's like spoiler alert, but obviously the ban happens. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, there, there's obviously an impact to that in terms of the, you know the team and and the the sort of drama of that and the the, the effect of that and um, and and you know like last time we're likely to to be starting in the supporters bar so you know again it's an opportunity to get in and have a drink so and you can take a drink in you know brilliant well you can't even do that in the theater you can actually um or you, can do, you can't do that in the football that's what i mean <laughs> you can actually sit with a pint in uh, in Tynecastle. so uh, another uh, uh, advantage another novelty no it sounds really good i'm i'm very much looking forward to it so keep an eye on the on the twitter page and on of course the hearts page and hopefully we'll get some news and get some tickets available soon but no i'm I'm looking forward to seeing how this one comes together
yeah, in terms of women's football generally, I thought it'd be useful just to have a quick touch upon that because obviously it's it's very topical these days, I think. Yeah. Um, in Scotland, I know there's been a fair bit of investment from certain clubs. Rangers and Celtic now fully professional. I know Glasgow City, although semi-pro, have been the the leading side when it comes to women's football in Scotland and Hearts have been playing catch up a little bit with a lot of these clubs, but they won the second tier in 2019, um, winning the title on the final day, earning promotion to the top flight. And I think it was actually just before that, maybe the year before that Hearts had announced that there will be like a six-figure annual investment in the women's um, side of football, which Ambudge uh, declared, I think it was the, the right thing to do, I think is the way she worded it. So obviously we are now investing in that side of the club, um, it was a it was a very tough first season in the top flight. In the end, for for the Hearts women's side, it was a season that was basically null and void when the pandemic started. So they started later, I think October 2020, and then it was also suspended midway through. Um, luckily, no relegation for Hearts, who did finish bottom, but up against some really well established sides. Um, the women's game generally has grown quite a lot in the last few years we've seen especially in the states where um there's well i guess the states is where we maybe similar to we're talking about before this ban happened where the women's side much more successful than the men's side these days um do you think this is a really good thing that's happening now in scottish football i know we are playing catch up and women's football has been playing catch up for a few years now but to see hearts putting a bit of money and investment putting a bit of time in this into this side of the game yeah i mean i think so i mean you know a big theme of the show is just about equality really and and and, and the fact that you know and budge has recognized that, that that was an important you know part of, of of what hearts were doing as a club um i think i think it's really important my, my daughter's nine years old she plays for the uh the, the youngest of the, the hearts team the hearts select girls um and you know, she loves her football, loves going to training at, at the Orium. You know, she's got her training kit the same as the, the boys that go in. Um, has a has a great time with the with the with the coaches there and and there's a clear, you know, pathway being established from from that age group, you know, up up through to the to their first team. So they've they, you know, they have really kind of sort of gone for it. Um and and I think, yeah, I mean I I was chatting to someone a, a couple of years ago about kind of, you know, the investment and and um, you know, obviously, there's the grumbles about it, and um, you know, something somebody pointed out to me was that, well, you know, in terms of growth, even if even if Hearts were to win the win the league for the next six years, how many more fans realistically could we put on to the to the fan base? You know, short of a absolute billionaire coming in and throwing crazy money at us and putting us in the Champions League, you know, the the, the you know the, the club does does pretty well in terms of the city and the size of the population and two team city and all that kind of stuff um you, you know the women's game is actually a really good opportunity for the club to, to grow and and to sort of develop in a in a slightly different way and and for me I, you know i think that that's i think that's a really really kind of positive positive thing and as you say it's it's a very rapidly growing uh, sport kind of worldwide i don't see the negatives of 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 it at all particularly when the figures that you're talking about are just about probably one first team players uh, yeah, wages fairly, for, 
18 months, you know. <laughs> fairly, fairly insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And yes, yeah, like, you know, I was looking at some of the stats and it's like 2015 Women's World Cup final in Canada was the most watched football game in the US. I can't call it soccer. Um, and it was like over 1.1 billion people worldwide watched the last Women's World Cup in France in 2019. Yep. Um, and I think you look south of the border, the BBC for the upcoming season will show the Women's Super League um, on network free to air TV for the first time in the package. It's like a three-year deal worth seven to eight, seven to eight, I should say, not seven to eight, seven to eight million per season. So it's obviously, again, south of the border ahead of where we are in Scotland. But I know that BBC Scotland announced it'll broadcast um, and it has been broadcasting highlights for the SWPL, the Scottish Women's Premier League last season. So it is growing here as well. Um, And as I mentioned, Rangers and Celtic have invested heavily, although Glasgow City did still manage to pip them to the title in the season that just finished. And then when we look at Hearts, I think it was just, what was it, two days ago or something? A day or two ago that they announced that um, Ava Olid was uh, appointed as new manager. And if you look at her CV, I won't pretend that I knew anything about her beforehand, mm. but when you see the CV, really impressive actually what she's done. UEFA Pro license holder, loads of experience in both her native Spain and the USA. So it seems like a really big appointment for Hearts. And I don't know if that's something it's just going to inspire I guess a lot of people, you know, like your daughter um, and other girls or or women to to get involved, whether that's to actually try and get themselves into the team and to play more football or to to back the team, to follow them, to go to matches when they can. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, yeah, as you say, the CV of, of, of Eva Ollard is, is, is hugely impressive. You know, so many more football qualifications than, you know, I could even dream of having, you know. So, you know, I think that's... And, and the fact it's an international appointment tells you an awful lot, I think, about the setup at Hearts and, and, and where they're trying to go. I know that, you know, they put a lot of sort of store in it a couple of years ago and there's been a few changeovers and, and things. So it's been a slightly unsettled, I think, behind the scenes. So this sounds like, you know, a really positive thing going forward. And... And yeah, I mean, I, I I do some some coaching with my my daughter here in Musselburgh as well with the with the under 11s and I, I watch the girls girls play and they love, like a tackle, they like a goal, uh, they'll argue about a bad decision. If the coaches are in goal and they let one in, you get shouted at. Um, you know, they're just as just as passionate and uh, interested and and love football mm-hmm. in, in exactly the same way as as a as a as a boy. Some of them are you know brilliantly skillful as well, you know. So, yeah, I mean, for me, as, you know, probably as a father, first and foremost, that, you know, why, why shouldn't my daughter get to, get to go and develop herself and have an ambition to go and, go and play, for, play for hearts, you know? And, and, and you know, I think it's really important that we have that. It shouldn't be a, a, a for me, it's not a threat to the, to the, the men's team at all. It's a, just a, it's a, it's a new avenue. It's a new, a new side, of the, side of the game. And, and they get all of the same benefits as 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 you would in the you know team team bonding and fitness and positive lifestyle and and certainly the hearts women have come and done coaching with the with the young hearts girls and you know they're really they love it they're really respectful of it and yeah I think you know I for me I can't see the negatives are very disappointing to read I think when when you see some of them and do you think even from the perspective of the men's team which you know which most Hearts fans traditionally that's going to be their focus and I, I, I won't pretend that I've seen much of the women's team I've seen bits and bobs of them here and there and 
I'll, I'll read updates and I know someone who works quite regularly with them on the, the media side of it. Um, but yeah, of course, it's not the same as as Hearts. Hearts, Hearts, that is the Hearts men's team. But even from the point of view of getting more women interested, because although there are plenty of women who are keen on football and follow Hearts, I suppose sometimes it does still follow that traditional route when kids are younger that the boys will play football and some of the girls don't get interested by it. But if they have that avenue... I suppose to play, even if it's something that doesn't end up being a career for them, is that you'd think that that would naturally get them more interested in then watching Hearts, even the Hearts men's team, and getting involved, and that's more fans, and and obviously the next generations potentially having access to more of these people in Edinburgh, because I think you know suddenly you've got a lot more Hearts fans in the future, which from a cynical point of view is is more customers <laughs> yeah i mean i mean yeah ultimately you know that's what you you, you want to find growth somewhere don't you and, and I, I don't suppose it's for me it's not an either or you know i mean I, you know no, no, we get no. more and more interested in the, in the women's game if, if my daughter chooses to keep to keep playing it you know i'm then more likely to to follow what's going on as as will yeah. others and it will it, i think it will have a natural growth um and you know i mean you know business wise you know hearts have what is it 18 only games a season. You mean that's only eighteen days that Tynecastle's actually generating any cash. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you know, finding a another eighteen <laughs> from uh, from the women's team would be um, you know would be would be great. You know, it's and 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 I think yeah, it will be it'll be a different. I think it'll be a different audience. I think, uh, and some will obviously will happily watch both, and you know. And you'll get those that will just always think that you know Hearts Hearts men's team is 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 the be all and end all, and and I can I can see that viewpoint as well. One for you, one before we go, something to put to you. So, nineteen twenty one was when the ban got put in place, and there'd be fifty years um, that that would be upheld, and obviously that's. No doubt had a big effect on the progression of of women's football. We're now in 2021. Where do you think we'll be in a hundred years, Bruce? What do you think the landscape of of football and women's football in particular will look like? It's a great question. I mean, we would like to think that that there is a that there is just more of a parity. I suppose that that you can watch, you know, the Euro final last night. Um, and then next year, watch the Euro final between you know whichever whichever two countries get to the final of, of, the, of the women's competition, you know, and, and be just as interested and just as invested. Um, you know, I think for clubs like Hearts, as I mentioned, the pitch would survive it, um, uh, although it might be all artificial pitches in a hundred years. Um, uh, you know, that ability to go and watch, you know, sort of different Hearts teams that you that you want. To, I mean, look at I mean Barcelona is probably the really you know huge example there. They do pretty well with their basketball club and their, you know, various other uh, elements of their, you know, it's more than a club, isn't it? And they they do okay. So I suppose if that's the uh, if that's the sort of model for a hundred years time, then yeah, you would have a much bigger kind of, you know, Hearts as a as a much bigger brand and a and a you know have a real identity with with kind of multiple facets to it. I think and and I think yeah, the women's game if it's if it's allowed to keep going will will. Will just be like 
I don't know, I suppose for me watching South American football, I don't really follow it, but I'm quite, I tune in and watch some Copa America games or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of, a, I'm a tourist in it rather than someone who's, who's passionate about it. And I suppose, you know, maybe that will be uh, your Hearts fans view of it in a in hundred years time. We won't be around to, to find out what happens in a hundred years. Um, I wouldn't imagine, but certainly I'm sure we're going to see a lot of growth in that side of football in the next few years, in the short term and the medium term as well. And I hope that your play um, is also very successful and, and goes from strength to strength, to strength like the, the last one did. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, good. Well, yeah, welcome on sale. I'll be there certainly um, uh, a lot of the nights. So I'm always happy to always happy to chat about it and get feedback as well, you know, because we want to make things that people people enjoy and hope folk feel like, you know, it's 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 something for them, you know, because it's it's been made by by a Hearts fan, you know, who who likes watching the well gets frustrated, but likes watching the team, you know, it's it comes from that similar sort of viewpoint. So hopefully it, it appeals to enough people to. To, to make them want to come along. I'm sure it will. Uh, well, thank you for joining, uh, Bruce. It's been a pleasure to have you on. We will have Mark Donaldson back next week, I think, when he's finished watching uh, World Series or whatever. I I really don't know much about baseball. Rounders. Uh, rounders, you glorified rounders. He's been, you know, he's fully immersed himself in the American culture these days. Um, and we'll probably talk about uh, Peterhead and Cove in a bit more detail then. Um, until then, you can get in touch at Around the Funnel on Twitter or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. And as Bruce says, keep an eye out on the Hearts Twitter page or uh, you can go to the This Is My Story Productions website for more information about the upcoming show Sweet FA, which will be available uh, during the Edinburgh Fringe in August, just next month, how time flies. But until then, thanks for tuning in and goodbye. <laughs>